We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 25th day of May, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? You through with the storms? Uh, healthy and alive. Uh, through with the storms for now. Um, we're, we're supposed to have some more soonish, uh, potentially. I think it's like a 70% chance that we get more. And I looked at the radar and there's another wave of uh, weather coming uh, this direction. Um, but yeah, we've had some lovely weather, rain for like two days straight almost and you know some thunder and lightning you know it, it it's actually been really nice instead of 90 degree weather we've had uh well, it was 58 degrees earlier i think it's like about 63 now roughly uh so it's really nice out that's good a little bit of reprieve before the uh the summer heat starts laying in do you um yep. do you plan on doing a garden this year Are you growing anything so there was talk of it and i don't know <laughs> So uh, I was going to do it with the housemates and everything, and we uh -huh. were going to kind of pitch in and do a, uh, some stuff. And I mean, we can't do a whole lot because we don't really have room, but right, we were right. going to do something. And that that's kind of been interrupted by uh, uh, shower remodeling, uh, sink. Uh, I mean, there's some other projects that are that are going uh -huh. on right now. So yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know where that's going. I get it. I, uh, I did some more planting today myself. I got some more tomatoes in. I got some peppers in today. Uh, just a few extra, you know, flowers on the side. I planted some more basil because, you know, it's nice to plant the herbs with the whatever plant you're doing. I did some mint. I did some lemon balm. I'm going to do some more herbs this week. So uh, it's coming along quite nicely. A couple hours each day to tend to it. Make sure the plants are okay. Get some insecticide, natural insecticide on there. Um, as in, mm -hmm. you can do a couple different things. I'm doing a, uh, I'm, I'm going to try a, uh, I did some onions and I did, I chopped an onion and took a clove of garlic, cut it in half, boiled it for about 10 minutes in some water on the stove. Obviously you strain that out, uh, into a spray bottle. And then that's a, that's a good insecticide for your, uh, for your plants there. The bugs don't like it. They hate the garlic, they hate the onion, but it doesn't do anything to your plant and it doesn't come off in the final crop. So it's pretty good. Looking to give that a try. Also, you can take one liter of clean water and you can take a quarter teaspoon of apple cider vinegar and you can mix that and you can put a soft cloth in there. And if you have larger leaf vegetables like big lettuce, like lettuce leaves, or if you've got uh, zucchinis, that kind of stuff, then you can take that cloth. It's got that on there and you can wipe that across there. You don't want to get too much on there, obviously, but you can wipe it across the leaf and it will uh, and just let it, you know, let it let the air dry it and it will act as a good, uh, good insecticide. Rumor has it as well. Uh, lemongrass is supposed to be really good uh, with that as well. You know, it's interesting you say that because I've got some mint I've got some Swiss mint growing right next to some lemon balm, and the bugs don't touch the lemon balm. They stay completely off of it. They don't like it at all. They're all over the mint, but they don't like the uh, the lemon balm. So maybe yeah, I think you got something going there. Uh, the reason I, I point that out is uh, apparently uh, catnip is really good about that as well. The problem is, you know, because we, we had uh, tried growing some catnip for our cats, so they had fresh catnip. And then I found out that, you know, insects don't really like catnip. So I looked it up online and then found actually uh, lemongrass is supposed to be 10 times better. It, it's more potent than uh, uh, catnip. So anyway, uh, the, the only problem is, is both lemongrass and catnip are a bit intrusive. So you don't want to plant them in your garden per se. You want to, uh, you know, have them in a, like a, a controlled location or you might be able to, you know, mix something up. I don't know. Uh, maybe a spray or something, something to that effect. Not really sure how you would use it other than uh, uh, keeping it contained. Right. I suppose let's get into the uh, the events of the day. Davos Day 2 World Economic Forum meeting is uh, is continuing to uh, uh, to flow, right? Got some great speakers in there today, like George Soros. Uh, got the chief of Alibaba. He's made, a, uh, made an important speech there today. You got Bill Gates, who... 
Uh, I don't know this for sure, but it's being reported that he's warned of a 30% fatality rate if smallpox gets loose. Uh, to be clear, uh, uh, smallpox, uh, maybe smallpox. The hysteria around monkeypox right now, they're, they're, I looked it up and uh, in fact, I think I said it on here. Uh, it's like a, uh, without treatment, it's like one in 10 deaths. That's the, the more deadly strain. The strain that's here in the U.S., uh, take a wild guess what the uh, death rate is. Um, I'm going to go with less than COVID. It's less than 1%. So about COVID, flu, you know, kind of in that range. Uh-huh. Are um, we seeing monkeypox deaths yet? We're not, are we? Mm-hmm. No, uh, we haven't seen any here. No, no, no not, not in the Western world. I haven't seen any. No. And, and and if, you know, if they were, then they would be all over the mainstream media. They'd be hyping that fear up. And it's a little bit harder to spread monkeypox. Um, it, it's not something that's uh, like COVID, you know, um, somebody sneezes, you could potentially have been exposed to it. No, this one is uh, uh, lesions. You have to come in direct contact with the lesions. Um, so or sex. Yeah. So let's get into what all this is really about. And it's not about protecting your health. Let's just throw that one out the window. That's just to scare you into compliance. That's all that's meant to do. What have we been pointing towards since the beginning of COVID? It's not about your health. So what's it about? It's about that digital ID, isn't it? It's about transitioning you into that app on your phone that's going to control your life. It's about turning your currency into a digital currency that's going to be issued to you. It's going to be a it's going to be a token, more or less. It's going to be a programmable token, kind of like what they do with these uh, these these cryptocurrencies. It's going to be kind of like that, but it's not going to be decentralized. It's going to be issued by a central banking cartel that's going to track, trace, and control everything that you do. They will be able to manipulate that token however they want, to fit whatever political agenda they want to keep you in line. See, if your social credit score doesn't line up or if you have an opposing view on something, you'll be turned off of a specific thing. You'll only be allowed to buy certain products and certain services until you behave and then you'll get that turned back on. Such things as fuel. Now, these people that Klaus Schwab says that uh, they're building the future. Okay, well, that's okay, great. You're going to build the future. What are you actually going to do? Because nearest I can tell, none of you have built anything more than a gingerbread house. So what are you actually going to do? You see, they're driving around in their private cars. They're flying around in their private jets. They're on their yachts, by the way, that are exempt. These are all people that don't pay taxes, that own oceanfront properties, that are telling you that you driving a car, you having air conditioning, you eating meat, you living uh, next to next to the ocean, you're going to have rising sea levels, but somehow they're not. They're going to keep their cars. They're going to keep their private jets. They need to keep all the resources, but you can't have any. Bruce, I want you to see something. I, w- I want you to see something. This is footage yesterday in Davos, just outside of the airport, the private airport, where they were landing all their private jets. Now, does this to you... When you see this, these are the the, the cars that are coming out of the private airport where the private jets are landing. Does this look like a bunch of people that are saving the environment and concerned about their carbon footprint to you? Does that that look like people that are saving the environment? I mean, all those big limousines and Mercedes-Benz and and Audis and Land Rovers and Range Rovers and a couple other supercars in there, a few other limousines, big saloon, big van. I mean, all blacked out, blacked out windows. Does that look like a bunch of people that are worried about saving the environment? No, not at all. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No. Yeah, none of those are electric cars, which, by the way, uh, electric cars um, aren't saving anything as far as uh you know your carbon footprint and everything yeah it, it doesn't save the environment any more than uh using fossil or getting you know saying you want to get away from fossil fuels it doesn't save the environment you still have to use fossil fuels to do all those things anyway but to your point no and then on top of that even even if all of those were electric cars okay unless they were carpooling in their in their private jets and stacking up as many of the elite in those things as they could, they're still not being carbon conscious because they all flew their own private jet out there. So mm-hmm. no, there was a uh, there was a parody. As I said, Bill Gates was one of the uh, was one of the speakers today. There was a parody that came out uh, this morning, and it said I, I had to post it. It was just too funny. Davos Day Two. We are delighted to welcome Bill Gates, who flew in on one of his four private jets to talk about climate change. This afternoon, we'll discuss the looming world food shortages whilst gorging on roasted pig and caviar. Also high on our agenda will be the topic of monkeypox and how more communism is most likely the best solution to prevent future pandemics. I know that's parody, but they're not wrong, are they? 
I mean, the, the, the bits where they're, they're saying, well, you know, having uh, roasted pig and caviar, um, yeah, that, that's not wrong. When you look at their menu, it, 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 <laughs> I really wish I was a- able to be there in person, and they're talking about, you know, uh, the bread and everything that we're going to be eating made out the of bugs bread, and everything, yes. and, just, <laughs> and just hold up the menu and point at the menu and be like, you guys are eating actual food, and you're trying to get us to eat bugs? Wirebrush. You see, Bruce, I don't think, I don't think even if you were down there, I don't think that you would, you would be able to to understand what any of them are saying. I don't think it would be possible because, well, they have a little trouble when they attempt to communicate. Do they not? Um, you mean they're all not speaking uh, the same lizard language? No, no, apparently not. They don't speak the same language. Hmm. I, I'd like to play this. This is this is a clip of Avi Yemeni, who is an independent journalist for Rebel News out of Australia. And he caught up with David Nabarro, who is the COVID-19 advisor to the World Health Organization. He's made multiple appearances on Sky News out of the UK. Uh, and this is what he had to say. Avi Mini for Rebel News in Davos, Switzerland at the World Economic Forum. Moments ago, I managed to track down one of the special envoys for the WHO's response to COVID-19. Now, I'm not going to put his full interview yet because... I hope viewers can understand, and I hope this is not cut out, that I've been ambushed in the street and I'm responding to this gentleman's... I don't even know his name. Avi Yemeni. I'm responding to his questions because I believe that it is my duty to attempt to communicate. I so appreciate, I, I appreciate that. I don't <laughs> mean to, I, I don't mean to be... Strange. We're just running fast, so that's why I, I, I get I'm it. I'm late for a meeting. Right. It's just that you are asking questions that I can't okay. answer. All right, thank you for your time. I, and I, I, I would like to say to those of you who are watching this, you know, I would be very happy to be interviewed normally about this. Can I get there a card? Be ambushed. I don't have any cards left. Where, where can I catch you to, to, to continue this interview? Uh, let me just write it down. Sir? You see, Bruce, he's going to, it's his duty to attempt to communicate. <laughs> Did you catch that? It's his, it's his duty to attempt to communicate. Attempt to communicate. That was some great uh, wordage there. If that wasn't an example of they think they're better than you, then uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, was that an attempt at dry humor? Because uh, other than that, I, I have no idea what that was other than the elitist snob that he sounds like he is with the accent combined with the, the, the phrasing there. He, he uh-huh. thinks he's better. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the general attitude of them. They think they're just they think that they're better than you and they're going to they're going to rule the planet and you don't need to well exist, really. Uh, but the the ultimate deception in all this is that gentleman right there. Even that guy, he's just a, he's just a lackey with a briefcase. That's all he is. He, he doesn't get a seat at that table. None of these people do. So anyway, back to the digital IDs. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to drift there, but that was just too funny to ignore. Back to the uh, the digital IDs and the carbon footprint, because these are important things, you see. Th- these are important things. This is Alibaba Group President Michael J. Evans. that He's talking about, uh, he's at uh, the World Economic Forum talking about the development of an individual carbon footprint tracker. What's that going to do? Well, it's going to monitor what you buy, what you eat, and where and how you're going to travel. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What is that, that the economy? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Well, that's comforting. It lines up almost exactly with the uh, the Doconomy MasterCard program we were seeing out of Sweden from the startup, doesn't it? It does. And I'm curious. Um, so many states here have passed bills that... Um, restrict banks and, uh, you know, any kind of um, investors uh, from using ESGs as a regulation on whether they give, um, you know, investments or loans or any of those kind of things, right? There's many states that have done that. I'm curious if they're going to do something with this and they're going to bar companies from disallowing users from buying products based on their carbon footprints or uh, something of that nature. Um, To be fair, I'm actually not opposed uh, to 
knowing like a, a, a number on products or something like that, how much carbon is used to produce something? Because I'm actually legitimately curious how clean companies are becoming, you know, and it's not because, you know, climate change, blah, blah, blah. I'm more concerned with preserving uh, nature, con- uh, you know, conserving Right. I, I'm, I'm more interested in reducing the amount of pollutants we put in, you know, the chemicals used, all those kind of things. If we can get away from that and go to something that's biodegradable or something that's uh, naturally based or something, then I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, the, the, the catch is, is we don't go back to the 1800s um, to get there. Uh, we, we, we continue on the path we're going. We advance and try to move forward. And when we move forward, we make things more efficient. We make things cleaner. So I'm not against having some kind of tractor like that uh, so that the, the, us- the, the user is aware. The, the problem I have is when you start having others limiting what you can do or, or putting some, some kind of scoring or something like that on you, the user, and trying to use that against you to, to manipulate you in some way. Uh, I'm not against having more information, though. Well, let's look at how this is going to work in real time, shall we? And, and I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm all in agreement the fact that we're toxifying the planet. I won't deny that one bit. Nobody wants to breathe bad air. Nobody wants to drink dirty water. That's just insane if anybody wants to do that. If somebody wants to do that, fine, go to China. That's where they have all that stuff. These green people don't stop to think about, oh, electric cars, electric cars, electric cars. What are you going to do with the lithium batteries? You're going to put them in a landfill somewhere in 15, 20 years, 10, 15, 20 years. And what is all that going to do? What's that toxic runoff going to do? Bruce, we saw a video yesterday, and it's up on our Telegram page for those that are subscribed to us. We saw a video yesterday of a fleet of London double-decker buses that were electric that all went up in flames. That didn't go well, did it? No, it, it, it looked like a um, a barbecue gone wrong. One catches on fire. See, it, something you guys need to know, if you've ever taken the time to look at the safety warnings on those lithium-ion batteries that you have, they tell you that you don't want to exceed temperatures of about 200 degrees Fahrenheit, I believe. It might be 250, but in, the, in that range. If you do exceed those temperatures, uh, they can burst into flames. Having a bunch of lithium ion batteries in vehicles. One of the vehicles catches on fire and they're parked somewhat close together. Vehicle fires can reach, you know, one, 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. They get very hot. That heat will then transfer over to those batteries. And once those batteries reach the, the volatile temperature, they'll burst into flames too. And it'll just mm-hmm. create a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. And I so, don't know if you've ever seen uh, a European car park, but you've got... About that much room, and I'm, <laughs> I'm holding my hands up here. You've got about that much room, which is about six inches, to get out of your car. Mm, yeah, that's uh, it's a bit tighter than here in the U.S. Yeah, just uh, a little people bit. People tend to be a little wider than that here in the U.S., uh-huh. so they need more room. Well, we have the space. And to be fair, we have the space in the U.S. Uh, we, we just don't have it over here. True, true. Okay, um, your carbon footprint. What's that going to look like with the uh, the infrastructure that they're building for your new digital ID, your digital currency, your digital passport to uh, to move? Well, let's take a look because what did he say? It's going to affect how you shop, how you travel, where you go, what you do, what you buy, that kind of stuff. Well, let's just introduce this in Europe and let's see how it goes. Germany prepares for gas rationing, which is what we said they were going to do when you cut off your only supply, one of your only supplies of oil and natural gas. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah, but when you have nothing to replace it with, what are you going to do? You know, real quick, uh, on, on, the, on the, the geopolitical scale, Germany should be lambasting the U.S. They oh, should yeah. be going after the U.S. hardcore because the reason is the U.S. has so much oil available to us. Not only can we supply ourselves but we could supply the majority of the world's needs based on the oil reserves that we have. And an interesting fact, I've pointed out a couple times already, um, there's been papers that have come out that have shown they've done uh, surveys of locations that they previously drilled and drained here in the U.S. And lo and behold, those are full again. How is that possible uh, under current science? Um, oh, maybe it's because there's new innovations and new understanding that maybe the Earth produces fossil fuels. Uh, maybe there's some kind of process that the Earth does that uh, we're unaware of uh, because, you know, that's that's a we, we can't see what happens on the inside of the planet. But anyway, um, all that aside, these European nations should be hammering the U.S. Uh, to to produce more oil. 
and the United States, we and should be, be producing buying. more oil. They should be buying from the U.S. We can actually, we can, with, if we drill natively in the U.S., we can support Europe. We can do that. We can support, yes. we can take care of our own needs at home, have, oh, I don't know, uh, 25 cent a gallon gasoline. That's not a joke, by the way. It could probably be even less than that if we had sound money principles and we had somebody well, within yeah. the, uh, the the congressional apparatus that actually had a brain. Yeah, it, it still would be 25 cents, 10 cents a gallon if we would have a gold standard and weren't uh, needlessly printing money over and over. Yes, that's true. Yeah. It's, it, it would be if, if we were producing oil in the U.S. like we should be, it would be about the same price as what it is in the United Arab Emirates or in Saudi Arabia or something like that. They're paying literal pennies yeah. for gallons of gasoline. Yeah. yeah, it would be it would be a, a equivalent. Yeah. Uh, but no. But then you would have the environmentalist uh, decrying carbon footprint and oh, you're, yes, you're yes, toxifying yes. the planet. Yes, yes, yes. So horrible. Yeah, right. Uh, the Federal Network Agency of Germany is reportedly drafting action plans to implement gas rationing in response to Vladimir Putin's demands that unfriendly nations purchase natural gas from Moscow in rubles rather than Western currency such as the dollar or euro. According to a report from Reuters, take that for what you will, the Federal Network Agency of Germany, which regulates energy in Germany, said, quote, depending on the seriousness of the shortages, it could be necessary to cut supply of gas to some users, to zero. Did you hear that? To zero. Meaning, you're not going to get any. You've already got the German people that are pissed off enough as it is because of everything you've done with COVID. You've destroyed generations of wealth. You've destroyed people's businesses that have been in their families for generations. They're not happy. And what's going to be the deciding factor on whether or not you can use gas or not? Well, they don't say that. Uh, that yeah, uh, that's an interesting... Um situation that's that's arisen there um one other thing on the on the the fuel um the environmentalists is, is, is kind of when i was mocking the environmentalists there at the end it it, it reminded me of something that um we've kind of talked about before but it, it bears repeating if you're so concerned about emissions carbon emissions and everything and toxifying the planet would you not then want uh the the uh, as example we're talking about oil would you not want that entire industry to uh, move to the cleanest country, the country with the most regulations on it to to clean it up? Wouldn't you want all of that production to move there? So why are we not clamoring as as you know the 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 green people? Why are they not? Why are they not calling for it to be here in the U.S.? Why are they not calling for it to be uh, moved here and we produce more because we do it cleaner than anybody else? Fracking is cleaner than it uh, the traditional methods. We could be producing uh, the world's oil cleaner than anybody else and lowering the global carbon footprints. But instead, we want to ship out all of the uh, manufacturing, all of the oil production, all of that to other countries and say, oh, look, <laughs> the U.S., we're clean here. Uh, but no, you're not. So is North Korea. You, yeah, exactly. You, you're, you're just relying on other countries that are, have far less regulations to make your product. And they're they're causing the 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 emissions there. Other countries they don't have nearly the the kind of regulations that we do. Have you guys seen the 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 river of plastic? What was it India? I think it was uh, that has they've that got, river of plastic. They've got a lot. I think yeah. I've seen more than one over there. Yeah. So the the kind of regulations that they have over there versus here, we should be clamoring for more industry moving here. We should be lowering taxes. We should be incentivizing those companies to come back to the United States because it is cleaner here. We can produce stuff cleaner and more efficiently here. It's just it would be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. But I would rather pay a little bit more than not have any at all. <laughs> but through innovation and economical growth, that cost would actually come down. So yeah, yes, it would, it would be expensive. Yeah. yeah, it would be expensive in the short term, but in the long term, you're actually going to save a lot of money, uh, and you're going to be bringing in more yeah. than what you'd be uh, what you'd be spending. And if you can innovate and and create yeah. things that are recyclable or longer lasting, that would be even better. Yes, exactly. But see, we can't have any of that because we have to be uh, an economical and industrial wasteland. We we can't have any of that. We have to have all hope ever obtained. We have to have that all taken away. Now, with a gas shortage. In Germany, guess what they're going to do? <laughs> because this went well. You know, they mothballed all their uh, their coal fire plants and their natural gas plants. They, they mothballed all those. Well, guess what? They're going to spin those back up. <laughs> they're going to spin those huh. back up. Yeah, uh, they've got plans to uh, put idled coal plants on standby 
in case the uh, the need gets so dire that uh, that they're just going to spin up the cult because you know we have to go green <laughs> you see <laughs> so we got to go green so we're going to we're going to we're not going to turn our nuclear plants on we're not going to spin those up we're going to turn our coal fire units on that's what we're going to do so that went well didn't it i i it, at least the elite there in germany are aware that when we start doing these kind of regulations and people uh, go to EV, um, that we're going to need uh, the power, so we need to bring the coal <laughs> plants back online. At least they understand that. Here in the United States, they don't. <laughs> they don't get that. No, they're just like we're going to turn it off, and that's going to be it. That, that's it. You're just going. Yeah. You're going to get a windmill and a, and a solar panel, and that's going to do you. Yeah. Right. Sure. So um, a lot of these European elites who are sitting down there at Davos, they're sitting on the stage, and I have a I have a, a laundry list of quotes here. A lot of the people that are down there are saying that, well, you know what? You're going to have to resist the temptation to want to go back to fossil fuels. You're going to have to resist that. You, you, you just can't do it. You're going to have to resist that. During a World Economic Forum panel on the energy crisis, German Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck said countries should resist temptation to look after their own interests first. You hear this? Resist the temptation to look after your own interests first. Well, then your country dies, Jack. That, I, I, I'm sorry, Bob. I don't know what planet you grew up on, but it certainly wasn't this one. He added, sustainability requires change to the, quote, rule of the markets. So let me, let me get this straight. You're a government person. You're, you're a politician that thinks that you know better than the markets. Do you know what happens every single time in history when you have people like this that think that they know better than the markets? These people always lose. The markets always win. The free market always wins. Not a rigged casino that they've got going on. Because let's be honest, if we had a free market system, if we had true innovation, if we had the free flow of ideas, none of this would be happening. N none of this would be going on. There wouldn't be this green revolution. There wouldn't be this, this uh, electric vehicle nonsense. You, you wouldn't see any of this. You wouldn't see the wind and solar stuff. Nobody would put their money there because that's not what the future is. During another session, the Norwegian finance CEO, Kirsten Brothen, described the global energy upheaval as a, quote, transition, while admitting that there will be mass shortages and economic hardship, but claimed that the pain is worth it. Well, these people are crackpots. So they're going to decide for us that the pain is worth it. We're not going to be able to decide for ourselves whether we want to make the sacrifices or not. That That's just going to be forced upon us, and we're going to have to follow their lead. Th that, honestly, that's one of the big frustrations with all of this, is that it's the elite telling us that you're going to do this. You, you can't make the decision... Uh, whether or not you're going to be a vegan or whether or not you're going to eat bugs or whether or not you're going to uh, do away with using gas and go to electric. No, you're being told. They're, they're holding a gun to your head saying you're going to do it or you're going to lose everything. And they're going to lock you back down because they're going to make sure that you can't go to work. They're going to make sure that you can't earn a living and they're going to make sure that they take everything from you. It's exactly what Bruce just said. They're holding a gun to our head. Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, two scoops Biden, he has said that the country is going through, quote, an incredible transition away from fossil fuels via the high gas prices being expanded nationwide. He was in Japan making this statement. He says, here's the situation. When it comes to the gas prices, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place. God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less resilient on fossil fuels when this is over. Should, should I have said that that way? Because that actually sounded like it had some enthusiasm behind it. Maybe I should have said it like, <laughs> would have been more like him. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, in the last 24 hours, he's drained another 40 million barrels out of our strategic reserves. So he's um, uh, tanking our oil reserves, which we still need. If, if the entirety of the United States went electric vehicle, which, you know, barring the blackouts and, and the, the brownouts, you know, overlooking all of that, the military still uses uh, those fossil fuels for their vehicles. So we still need it for national defense. Um, I, I don't understand how Congress isn't uh, uh, running after him uh, because of all of this, because it is national security risk. Um, but all of that aside, God willing, I, I'm sorry. You do not care what God's opinion is in any of this. I mean, if they cared what God's opinion was, they wouldn't be supporting abortion as, as just as a basic point. Uh, they, they would not be taking the stances that they're taking on those things. They would not have pushed the, the uh, jabs like they were. Uh, it, it, not even jabs. Let's just take that part out and just say, 
an experimental drug of any kind, they would not be pushing it. The, things would be far different if they, they truly thought, you know, God willing, something was going to happen. Uh, no, that, that's just a, a phrase that they use to try to pander to the religious uh, uh, of their constituents. And it's interesting you bring that up. Yeah, of course they don't. Uh, And it's interesting you bring that up. And I want to get to that, but I want to play this last clip here of, uh, this is Dr. Mike Yaden. We played a clip of him yesterday, but this is him talking about digital IDs. And I want to round off on this. This is Dr. Yaden talking about the dangers of a digital ID and what exactly that means to we the people. I think there's no doubt in my mind that at the very least, uh, the, the end game for what's going on is totalitarian control, whereby in order to get about and to do anything, you're going to need to show digital ID, mandatory digital ID. At the moment, they're called vaccine passports, but I'm afraid avoiding vaccination ain't enough to get us out of this trap. So last night I read that Iran, uh, country Iran, is the first country uh, that said it intends to bring about uh, a mandatory digital ID that you will have to show the uh, vendor is a baker in order to get subsidized bread because bread has gone, price-wise has gone through the roof. It's it's the stable food of the poor people you know, in Cairo, for example. And they said, right. look, we'll, we'll give you a discount, one discounted loaf per family per day, but the quid pro quo is you need to sign up for this digital ID. Once you've got a digital ID and they've said you can't buy this cheap bread without sharing it, if they say next week you can't buy bread, without sharing it, or the week after, you can't buy food without it. This literally changed the conditions. It's All it requires is a massive network and your digital ID beep, into the system. And whatever your location, uh, scores about you, maybe it's social credit scores, uh, could even be personal. And right. it could be in this context, this person may or may not purchase these items. Uh, and at that point, the machine, the Borg, so it's not going to be your government. It'll be um, um, a faceless multinational corporation will operate the database and the algorithms that determine your, whether you are permissioned to enter somewhere or leave somewhere, uh, whether you're able to buy or sell any particular thing at any moment. It's, that's the end of democracy. It's the end of freedom. And as I, we, Brian and I talked about at the beginning, uh, the, the economies of all the countries are being driven off the cliff like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Exactly. Animals, legs that just don't look down, folks. <laughs> right, know. right. Because that's, you know, if you, add, if you add digital currency to the toxic mix, so now you've got digi- mandatory digital ID and only digital money, you know, if they don't like, if they took a dislike to me, for example, they could literally cancel me. I, I try and go into, you know, I don't know, Whole Food Market and buy something. Well, one, I might find I have to wave it at the door to get in, and it might deny me entry, uh, or it might not allow me to uh, acquire anything through the barcodes. So this was predicted like 2,000 years ago uh, by who atheists say was probably like a deranged man. Um, it Actually, even thousands of years before that, I, I, I don't know exactly the... The time frame, I think, is it's about a thousand years before that. It was also talked about as well. You can't buy or sell without the mark. Sound an awful familiar, man. If if this isn't it, if this isn't the literal mark of the beast, we're on parallel. I mean, we're playing the same tune. We're on the same sheet of paper, or a sheet of music. But it's not. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I have difficulty saying this isn't we're literally staging everything up for the tribulation, Mark of the Beast, Antichrist's rise. I mean, everything is wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, uh, uh, all, all famine. But they're not natural. That. They're not natural. The famine's mm-hmm. not natural. It's being done mm-hmm. on purpose. The, the pestilence mm-hmm. is being done on purpose. All of and this it's never is- said, stated that it was naturally occurring either. Just to be clear. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I always expected, I mean, at least my interpretation of it is I, I, my, the, the way I interpreted it was I always expected these things to happen naturally. You know, I, I expected these things to just come along and it would be one of those things where uh, it was by chance, not by uh, a bunch of uh, a sick, psychotic, so-called elite people that are doing it on purpose with the amount of money and political capital that they have behind themselves. They can do anything like this that they want. And in order to do that, they can get the good minded people that you're always complaining about. And I don't disagree with you on that. The Christians among us that have stood down, the, the churches have folded. They stood down. They haven't actually stood for anything. They ha- The churches, my God, during the American Revolution, the preachers, the pastors, they were picking up arms. 
They were preaching from their pulpits against that. Why aren't they now? So one, um, I, I've heard many sermon, different sermons, different takes on this, but the, 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 there's a church that's described in, um, uh, well, one of the, the letters in revelation that, um, uh, it basically says you're, you're fat and happy, basically. So kind of like what Harari says, well, we're just going to get everybody fat and happy and addicted to drugs and video games. And that's where we're going to keep them. The church in the Western world has become addicted to their, um, whatever their vice is, whatever they're, they're, they're basically given over to idols, whether it's your Netflix, whether it's your, um, you're, you're busy with kids, uh, soccer, uh, or you're busy with whatever, Uh, but insert your thing here, whatever, whatever it is. And it, it may be legitimately uh, a good thing, like, you know, uh, taking your kids to soccer practice or, you know, focusing on raising your kids. That's not a bad thing. That's that's honestly not a bad thing. That's good. But then it, it comes down to how involved are you in your Western civilization? How how involved are you in the politics and whatnot? Do you, do you stay aware of what's going on? How involved are you in the, the school uh, school board? What what your kids are being taught? Uh, so. There, there's a lot of complacency that the the American uh, world, Western world in general, but I, I I know the American people better than I do the entirety of the Western world, and I know here in the U.S. the churches become a complacent. They they go into their churches, they have their feel good, ear tickling services, and then it, nothing's actually taught. There's no actual changes. They go and act, uh, have a facade on at church. Uh, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday, whatever day they go in on, they, they have a facade on there. And then when they go uh, in the rest of their week to live their life, you can't tell that they're a Christian by the life they live the rest of the week. It, it, they're only Christians on, on Sunday and Wednesday. It, because of that, that's why we're in the, situa- the, the position we're in, the situation we're in. N- none of them have spines. They, they oh, we don't want to offend anybody. What, what the hell do you think Jesus was doing in, in the temple when he was overturning the tables? Do you think he was offending anybody? He was hanging out outside. Didn't you read the newspaper, Bruce? Yeah. He was hanging out outside. That's what he was doing. He didn't go in there. Yeah. 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 He was socially distancing because he was concerned about of course. diseases of course. and everything. He was yes. worried about yes. public health. Yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this for a couple of reasons, chief among which is this, uh, this Nancy Pelosi thing, right? I, I want to talk about this. You had a Catholic priest in D.C. mentioned the same thing about Joe Biden. He's welcome to come in the church, but he's not going to take communion here because of his abortion stance. That's what the priest said. Okay. Well, now San Francisco's, was it a bishop? I thought it was an archbishop. It was an archbishop. It was an archbishop. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, Whoopi Goldberg. Now, what does she have to do with this? (laughs) Bruce actually brought this to my attention yesterday. Whoopi Goldberg, which that's not even her actual name, but okay, we'll go with it. Whoopi Goldberg, co-host of The View, is lecturing the Archbishop of San Francisco about what it is, uh, about what is and what is not his job after he announced that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is to be denied Holy Communion in his archdiocese because of her support on abortion rights. I'm quoting here from Goldberg. She said, The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called President Biden to be denied sacrament. Same one. This is not your job, dude. I'm quoting her. This is not your job, dude. This is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. How dare you? So I, I, I don't fully know how the Catholics um, perceive communion. I, I don't know the full because like Catholics. Uh, OK, I'm not Catholic. And it, you, know, you, you know, the beef that Protestants and Catholics kind of oh, have yes. with each other over the years. Oh, yes. Yes. So, yes, yes. Uh, I'm not saying that I have a beef with Catholics. Uh, uh, no, I don't. Uh, what I'm getting at is Catholics believe some things that Protestants don't believe. And it, it, the overlap is we still believe in the same savior and we still believe in you can't be saved unless you accept Christ. Right. But Catholics have mm-hmm. some extra stuff in there that we don't do. Um, but it's more ritualistic, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative it's, sense. Yeah. It's, um, and it's not that far disconnected from some forms of Orthodox religions either. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty close in yeah. some respects. Yeah. So it, it, there's a lot more, what, what do you call it? Uh, there's a lot more action that you're doing versus the Protestants, your righteousness, your self-righteousness is as filthy rags. That's how we see it. But 
Catholics, you have to do, you know, your, your, your confessionals and hail Mary or whatever that is that you, uh-huh. you do. Anyway, all that to say communion for us, Protestants is a, it's like a memorial. It's like a reminder. It's a, um, a refresher of this is what Jesus did for us. And it's a reminder that this is this. So, so it, it's kind of, um, a, as a Christian, you take communion to remind yourself, this is what Christ did for us. Um, you know, uh, uh, Catholics, I think, I think believe it a little bit differently, but, um, effectively the same thing, if you will, um, with some added extra stuff, barring them from taking that, that's effectively saying for a Protestant, that's effectively saying, we don't, we don't accept you. We don't view you as being saved as born again. We, we don't believe you as being, um, uh, well, you're you're being excommunicated. You're, basically, that that would be the equivalent of it for a Protestant. Or if you're being excommunicated. Yes. You're being kicked out. Mm-hmm. In a letter to priests of his archdiocese, the archbishop explained that he had attempted to meet and speak with Pelosi several times in the months leading up to his decision. He wrote that according to canon biblical. law, yeah, he wrote that according to canon law, Pelosi is obstinately preserving in manifest grave sin. And that is his responsibility as archbishop to enforce church discipline against her. I think I think I, I, I understand what they're referencing when it Protestants would basically. So as a Protestant, basically what we would have said is when you when you catch sin in your church, right, someone sitting in your church and you see it, you go to that person individually. Uh, if they won't hear you out, you bring a friend, you go to them again. They don't hear you out. You bring it uh, before the the pastor, the the leader of the church, and then you you try to get them to listen. If they don't listen, then you bring it before the church in front in public, broad daylight, if you will. They still won't listen. You kick them out of the church. That's effectively what what he's referencing there. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's the way you're supposed to do it, uh, as far as that's concerned. When was the last time you remember um, attending a church and someone being kicked out of your church because of of obvious and blatant sin. I don't recall that ever happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't recall it ever happening either. I, I would say um, that that is a good point uh, to, or a good example as to the churches losing their testicular fortitude, because this was something that was written about by, I believe Paul wrote about this to one of the churches, because they were they, they did they had a tradition of writing him a letter and he would answer the letter. He would respond to the question. Um, and then he would respond with the question and then answer the question after that's how the, that's how you do it in a letter. Anyway, he was responding to an incident that happened, uh, that was sin in the church. It was obvious. Um, and they eventually that that's where this, you know, instruction on how to do it came about. And eventually the, the individual, uh, repented eventually and was allowed back in the church. Long, long story to that. Why did this not happen a decade ago? Why did this not happen? The first moment Pelosi or Biden said, we're for, we're pro-abortion. It should have been that day. They should have been before, you know, trying to get a hold of them and be like, hey, let's talk about this and give them a week, give them a month, give them, I'll give them a month, you know, give them some time to really, you know, try to get to them. They won't do it. Well, sorry, you're you're publicly sinning. You're you're doing this is this is like Mengele style sinning. I mean, this is really bad. Uh, sin in general is bad when you when you look at it in God's eyes. But when you throw it into, we're, we're coming from the physical world of things. There's a, a scale to sin. A lie isn't as bad as murder, right? Because it's more damaging to society. So if someone's a murderer, well, we have to take direct action because you're a literal threat to the rest of society. At that point, it's difficult for any kind of reforming and let alone trusting you at that point. So house theologian, in your opinion, in your take, and I've got a clip that I want to play to this. We've been very upset with the churches in action in, mm-hmm. in the West in general, not just in America, but in general. But in this particular case, I'm speaking specifically about America because we have a blending here of church and politics. The political side has has invaded the other side. I mean, it's like it, it's to that point now, but it's on opposite ends of where it should be. We should be figuring out 
in the church, how we can fight against this evil that's coming out of this, th this disgusting form of like globalism that wants to enslave everybody. That's what needs to be talked about. Not whether or not these people are uh, for or against abortion. That should be a given. All that should go without saying. That should not be the argument that's had here. But we're going to have it. Can you be, in your opinion, can you be a Democrat in America and be a Christian, given the political atmosphere in current times? In current times. I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I'm not talking about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in current times, in this current political climate, is it possible to be a Democrat and a Christian at the same time? Right off the bat, one of the problems, we'll, we'll just address the one that's been brought to light again. Actually, we'll bring two. We'll, we'll, we'll take two to the table. One of the stances is abortion. All right. We've been fighting that one for the last 50 years. That's a pretty obvious one. Uh, the one that's happened recently, and it's causing a red wave because a lot of parents are becoming awakened to this, is the grooming that's happening to the younger generations and been perpetrated by the ones we trusted with uh, our kids uh, to help educate them. And, and, and yeah, so because of the Democrats' stance, just on those two topics alone, just those two, as a Christian, you cannot, you cannot be a Democrat and a Christian at the same time. They are wholly opposed to one another. It's not even just like, well, you know, it's slightly askew. I can overlook a few things. No, no, no. They are so far opposite of one another. Literally, you, you, if you're a Democrat, you're literally agreeing to a death cult. Abortion is not, abor it's not, you're, you're, you're killing off cells and a fetus or whatever. Abortion is literally what they were doing to, to Moloch Baal back in the day when they were sacrificing their kids before the altar. That's literally what they're doing now. They're sacrificing their kids to self, to self. It's selfishness. So yeah, you, you can't be, you can't be a part of the Democratic Party and a Christian at the same time anymore. It's not possible. I want to play a clip of this pastor. And you know, a year ago, as early as a year ago, that we, we were discussing this offline a few days ago, or last part of last week, I think. But a year ago, I would have thought that this was too far-fetched. I would have thought that this was this yeah. was too far outside of my realm, as in, no, I, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. A year ago, as, as early as that, I would have thought this. But now, when I hear it, given where we are, given where we've been pushed to, I don't disagree with what this pastor is about to say. I, I don't disagree with the statements that he's about to say. No. The, no, the, the energy the he puts yeah. behind it is a little bit too far even for me, but yeah. I agree with the, the sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me be very clear. What I'm about to play here, he's not an extremist Christian, what you're about to hear. You know, one of these, the, these Bible-thumping cult types. He's not one of these. But what he's doing is he's manifesting that righteous anger at the political atmosphere that we're being forced into. That is what I agree with. Also, to be fair, I'm, I'm technically one of those Bible thumping. Yeah, I'm from that. You're, you're not an extremist, though, as in you don't force other people. You know, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're not you're not that. Kind. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the, I, I would argue that that's not even Christianity in general. Like if you're uh, yeah, forcing okay. people into it, then you're not Christian. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about when I say the extremist, because there are those that say, uh, well, if you don't if you don't believe what I believe, then you're of the devil kind of stuff. You know, that, that's ridiculous. I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that. It's kind of not wrong. If you're not born again Christian, then you are. Well, okay, but you're, I'm you're talking one of about two households. Yes, so. yes, yes. But I'm talking about the personal standpoint of you have to believe exactly everything I believe or oh, that, I that's what, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. talking about. You, you have to believe my interpretation of the Bible. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, exactly. no, no, no. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not on board with that part of it. But anyway, to the preacher. I'm to the place right now. If you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You can get out, you baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. I don't care how mad that makes you. You get pissed off as you want to. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. They hate this nation. Get mad all you want to. I don't care if you stand. I don't care if you throw tomatoes, praise God. I'm about to throw a microphone up in his house. CNN can eat my dirty socks. You cannot be a Democrat and a Christian. You cannot. Somebody say amen. The rest of you, get out. Get out. Get out in the name of Jesus. I ain't playing your stupid games. Bunch of devils. I'm sick of it. 
Hey, we want to talk about the insurrection. Mm. Let me tell you something. You ain't seen the insurrection yet. You keep on pushing our buttons, you low-down, sorry, compromisers. You God-hating communist America. You'll find out what an insurrection is because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. My Bible says that the church of the living God is an institution that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the Bible says that we'll take it by force. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I, I got I got goosebumps on my arms. Is the man wrong? So the sentiment, like I said, I agree with the sentiment. The enthusiasm is not really my jive, but we need more of that testicular fortitude. We need more to be able to call out those. He's, in my opinion, I would say he's he's kind of latched on to some of the, the classic think of the founders. I imagine that... Um, if they were that excitable back then in the churches, that could have been a sermon that you would have heard taught uh, back in the 1700s by uh, one of the uh, ministers that were heading up the Minutemen group yeah. in their area. Yeah, I, I could go with that. Yeah, that, that mean, sounds it, like it, it, it's something that you would be preaching on the pulpit on Sunday if the British were two towns away. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I agree with the sentiment. Um not totally, not totally on board, but uh, I, I, I do agree. Fair enough. All right. You got any final words? Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, to kind of uh, touch on something that um, Whoopi was saying there. Uh, and I specifically just called it Whoopi because that, that is a funny name. But anyway, um, it makes me think of Whoopi Cushion. But anyway. I literally um, just had a Whoopi Cushion appear in my yeah. brain. When you said <laughs> yeah. So what she was saying there, it's uh, how she was saying that it's getting too close to, you know, the, the whole ch separation of church and state and all of that. Um, go back and, and find those letters. In fact, um, I've got a book that has all the, the letters, the, the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, the, the Constitution, the Declaration, uh, you know, I, I, all of that is in one. I would recommend you go out there and find that because um, when you go and read uh, the uh, uh, letters that they're referencing there where it says separation of church and state, what they're referencing there is not the separation of church and state in that uh, the church cannot have any affiliation with the state and the state cannot have any affiliation with the church. It was literally about the state creating its own religion and pushing its own religion or picking a denomination uh, and, and focusing on that denomination. It, it, that's what the letters were saying. So this this whole death cult that they're creating, technically, that's a violation of that stance. Technically, that's a violation because they're creating their own religion based upon death, based upon selfishness, uh, their self-importance. That technically is a violation, not having churches or, or pastors or any of them getting affiliated or involved in politics. In fact, the founders has made it clear that this country will fail if... They do not have good Christian people running it. Jefferson said a constitution only works if you have a moral and just people. And we're quite a ways away from a moral mm -hmm. and just people. Yep, we certainly are. And that's what we need to get back. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.